here is where the universe began and where it will end. Everything wrong with the universe soon will be right, the way it has to be. Don't you understand? There's no one left to stand in my way and nothing you can do except talk. You don't like the Drake? Hey, the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. This is Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This is episode number 59, and my name is Justin Kowalski. I am currently seeing all alternate versions of myself coalescing into one true version, so I'm really thankful for that today. I want to let you guys know that this show is available at thebatmanuniverse.net, which is a gigantic net filled with Batman-focused podcasts, so please check that out. We are also part of the BatmanPodcastNetwork.com, hosted by Batman on Film, so go check over at that page for some more shows. Again, my name is Justin, and I'm really excited to be here. It's good to feel like I'm coming together and knowing that Jeff Johns will soon come in and take care of all of my issues in about four to five years. That being said, I'm going to hand this show over to Rob, Terrence, and Ryan. Thank you for having me on. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, Thanks, Justin, for doing the intro and... uh Thought I was going to kind of fool some people. Uh, Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. I'm getting ready to kick this over. This is obviously an edit into the show, an edit I didn't think I was going to have to do. This has been a series of editing nightmares for this particular episode. Uh, This episode is already an hour long, and I haven't pieced it together with the intro to the show and everything. So I'm going to try and make this quick. But I at least want you guys to know up front what is going on with this episode. Um, not bragging or anything, but I have spent a little over 16 hours editing this particular episode. Actually editing this one and part of the uh, 60th episode that will be coming up. is essentially a two-parter. Uh, we were using a program called Zencaster uh, to record. We norm- Most podcasters use Skype. And uh, Ryan has this other program that we've used twice on this show, I think, and they use uh, over at Batman on Film. And uh, I think Justin might use it as well. Uh, Anyway, for I had heard it once listening to Batman on Film that it sounded like they had like two conversations going at the same time on one episode. I thought, well, that just kind of sounded weird. It sounded like they spliced in another set of audio. And then the same thing happened to us. So we had Justin on this episode, which you heard him do the intro to the show. And for some reason, in Terrence's microphone, it caused him to be off by two seconds at some point and five seconds. In some cases, he was off by almost a minute. So there are four separate channels uh, being recorded and it kind of condenses everything down to one and that's how uh, you would edit the show. Or you have the option, I could edit Ryan's track and I can edit my track and take out all the weird um, uhs and those little type of things that I do from time to time. But when I 
heard the final mix of it, you could hear it. It sounded like Terrence was just talking randomly, you know, or he was like running over the rest of us as we were talking. I thought that just sounds weird. I know that's not how it was when we did it live on the call. So I had to break down and do it by each individual track and try and sync them up. So you may hear a couple little hiccups in there. I tried to get everything back in order and I think I got 99.9% of it back in. I was real meticulous at doing it, but because there I lost track, there's probably 500 edits uh, between the two podcasts easy and uh, maybe even 600 because there were so many separate wave files that I had to kind of splice together and put back together. Um, I might have missed one or two or because there were so many, the program that I'm using couldn't handle that many separate little waveforms. So some kind of slid back into their original position or slid into different positions. So periodically you may hear Terrence giggle out of context, or uh, you may hear him talk in the middle of something. I think I've got most of those all set up. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there and kind of let you know what's going on. And by me talking uh, right now in the intro of the show, uh, this particular episode is already kind of long. Uh, we're going to push over an hour into this one. So I apologize uh, for that. Um, I think this episode, once I got it all put back in time, uh, turned out really good. And I didn't want to uh, I think Batman on film recently had one that they had to re-record for similar instances. And I think on uh, Justin's let's go comic show, he had to do some editing and Ryan recently had to do uh, some editing. So I don't entirely know what's going on with Zencaster uh, at the moment, but I didn't want to call everybody back up and say, Hey, let's get back in. Let's re-record this all over again because our conversation was really good. And sometimes when you have to redo something, it kind of starts sounding forced, like, oh, this is what I said last time. And here, I'm going to throw this little joke in. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, I was going to try and go and not uh, do uh, the beginning part of this, but the r- way we had it set up, it went from Justin uh, to Terrence and I recorded something separately, and he had a little thing he wanted to talk about. But in that recording... Uh, I lost his voice entirely, and we were using Skype, so it's it's been really odd uh, lately. But recently, Terrence and I recorded, and it was fine. So I, I'm tired of scratching my head. I don't have much hair the way it is. So here's the episode. I would say warts and all, but I think I got most of all of the warts off. But you may hear a couple little here or there. So... Uh, Thanks for listening to the episode. Uh, This is episode 59, like you heard Justin say. So uh, this is a show that uh, Terrence is running. uh, So I get to play second fiddle. So I'm going to sit back, uh, hand the uh, cowl or the domino mask over to Terrence, and I'll let him take over for uh, Robin issue number 10. Take it away, Terrence. So with us, now that I've taken over the show, uh, is uh, Ryan Haas. And I think, Ryan, this is the first time we spoke not face-to-face, but computer-to-computer, I guess, since uh, you've become a dad. So how is, how is fatherhood true. treating true. you? Yeah. It's treating me well. It's treating me well. I'm, I'm really tired, but it's, it's totally worth it. Has, have you uh, spoiled little baby Nora with a lot of Batman stuff yet? Or Yes, yes. We've watched lots of Batman. We've watched... Um, we, seriously, we have watched 
1966 Batman movie. We've watched Mask of the Phantasm two times, and we've watched The Dark Knight Rises. Is she happy with the Blu-ray transfer? She <laughs> was. She liked it. She liked both versions, and you know, she she also liked Dark Knight Rises, and she liked John Blake and stuff. And so, oh. so I told her, you know, so she's she's already a really good baby. So that's good. Well. Sometimes our kids take the mistakes our parents make. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Huh? Last time, yeah. <laughs> well, as I said, last time we spoke, uh, you you were going to play the uh, Batman '89 pinball machine, and uh, and we were making some jokes about your wife going into labor, and you were ignoring her because you were playing. And then the next day, I think Nora came. Yeah. So, was yeah. your wife in labor during the, the pinball game, or did the pinball have anything to do with that? Mm-hmm. Or? It didn't have anything to do with it, but it, it literally was that the the afternoon before the pinball. You can even go back on my Twitter and watch my video of me pl- uh, demoing, and and Sarah comes in and helps too. We demo the '89 Batman pinball machine, yeah, and it was awesome. And that was like you know the afternoon of July fourth, and uh, we went to the hospital. You know, Sarah went in labor. We went to the hospital or around one thirty a.m. On July fifth. Oh wow! <laughs> so, uh, so the reason why I wanted to take over the show because I, I'm going to claim this was my idea. Although, as I, as you can hear some of the tension, mm-hmm. maybe maybe Ryan will not not like this here. Uh, and that is, uh, I was uh, we've got with us Justin Kowalski, as you can find him on Twitter at at j underscore raka. He's uh, host of the Let's Go podcast, the the Let's Go comic cast, and Batman on Film Roundtable. And I had the idea to have Justin on because I was listening to Batman on Film, and uh, the the guys were talking. Especially Rick was was talking for like about fifteen twenty minutes straight on some rant, <laughs> and all of a sudden they like like threw gravy it, or something. Yeah, and they <laughs> they threw it to Justin, and it was like without skipping a beat, he just jumped right in, and I was like, wow, that that's that's skills. I would have like been, huh? What? Where do, where, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> Rick Shu is hard to follow sometimes. Yeah, so I was like, we got to have him on, and I'm like, hey, Ryan's got a connection. Ryan could get him on. So, so Justin, thank you for for coming on and and being on our show. And, and how's it going today? Oh man, I'm excited. I was I told Ryan I was like, I got to get on the Zero Hour episodes because those are, th- th- I love those two issues. Those are two of my favorites. I actually just reread issue ten with my son, and he was like. Because it's weird. Oh, awesome. We we just watched Back to the Future yesterday, mm. and he was like, "It's like Back to the Future too." <laughs> and so, anyway, so it, it made us have a fun conversation about it. So, yeah, man, I I love those issues, and so and I listen to the show, so it's fun to be a part. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for being yeah. on. I I listened to yeah. uh, the Let's Go Comic Show number twenty two, the Purple Bruce Willis t- today while I was cutting the grass. <laughs> That's and, uh, a great one. <laughs> yeah, I must have looked like a complete crazy person because it's hilarious, especially the Savage Hawkman, uh, Macho oh, Man Savage oh, yeah. and all that. So I'm out there cutting the grass just laughing hysterical. My neighbors think I lost my mind, but uh, oh. it's been a lot of fun. Um, but I, a quick We question. actually need to get you on because you won. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah Terrence is a winner. Yeah, and Terrence I've, is a winner. I've got a good story for when I when I went to see the Ramones long ago, so I'll save that oh, for for the, yes, the comic yes. show or whichever one you want me on. But yeah, that was a, a fun night going to see the Ramones way back when. Um, oh. Quick question for you, and I'll, yeah. I'll let all, all the guys chime in on this, but it was something I thought of when I was listening to 
Batman on film the other day, and they were ta- they were kind of teasing you a little bit about how you wrote like an essay defending the ice skates and Batman and Robin. <laughs> oh man, and- I forgot. <laughs> I should have brought that up today, Justin. Yeah. And <laughs> and I I, th- I thought of you know the Dark Knight where they they say you know you either you know die the hero <laughs> or uh, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> and yeah. editor editor's note, Rob, there's an, uh, a thing from San Diego Comic Con where. Um, Oh crap! What's his face? I blanked on his name. That Batman animated series guy, uh, Bruce Tim. Bruce Tim. No, the other guy, the voice of Batman. Oh, I can't think. Oh, Kevin, oh, Con- Kevin Conroy. Conroy. Oh, yeah, I, I blanked I just, on his name. Yeah, that. Kevin Conroy reading the Dark Knight, and he reads that oh, line. So, so add that line yeah. in here. It'll it'll be cool. The Joker won all of Harvey's prosecutions. Everything he fought for undone. Whatever chance you gave us of fixing our cities dies with Harvey's reputation. We bet it all on him. The Joker took the best of us and tore him down. People will lose hope. They won't. They must never know what he did. Five dead. Two of them cops. You can't sweep that up. But the Joker cannot win. Gotham needs its true hero. No! You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I can do those things, because I'm not a hero. Not like Dent. I killed those people. That's what I can be. No, you can't. You're not. I'm whatever Gotham needs me to be. Call it in. They'll hunt you. You'll hunt me. You'll condemn me. Set the dogs on me. Because that's what needs to happen. Because sometimes the truth isn't good enough. Sometimes people deserve more. Sometimes people deserve to have their faith rewarded. But um, all right, that was great. But but thinking about that, uh, so all the stuff we saw with you know Batman sixty six and Adam West's passing, he was the villain. Like he was the hero in the sixties, and then in the the eighties and nineties, he was the villain. Man, people like hated that guy for for what he did. Not everybody, but there there was like that Batman sucks. That's not the real Batman. And uh, unfortunately, I was one yeah. of those people. <laughs> I, well, that I, happens with it, yeah. It happens with new iteration. You people start to jump on the old one. I mean, just look at people jumping on the Nolan films now that we have Batfleck. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I was actually in in Hollywood Studios, Disney World, back in when I was nineteen, and Adam West was there taking pictures and signing autographs. And my mom was like, hey, let's go, let's go see him. And I was like, nah, I don't want to see him. He's not the real Batman. <laughs> and, I, and now now I'm That's killing myself. Like, oh, man, I could have like, met him. And, and so I, I was such an idiot. I want to go back to the future. I want to go back and slap 19-year-old myself. Um, <laughs> but my, my question for you, Justin, is do you think people will look back at Batman and Robin and, and come to appreciate that the way they appreciate 66? Or is that one too far gone? Never. <laughs> Never. Yeah, yeah, I, I, well, I, I don't not, not in the reverence that sixty six gets, but I will say that even watching it now, um, I think you can watch it with a different set of eyes. You no longer see it as part of, you know, the timeline of you know the Burton stuff because it kind of got lumped in there. But I, I just see it as something kind of fun. You know, you can sit back and watch it and go, eh, this is this is kind of funny. I mean, it's one of the movies that my son first watched. Because he couldn't watch any of the other ones, you know. So, um, it takes on a different type of uh, uh, beast now. 
Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't think it's going to have the reverence of like no one's going to be petitioning for like the box set collection of <laughs> Batman and Robin. Yeah. You know? But you yeah. know what? Who knows, dude? Twenty years from now, it could be some weird like hipster teenage thing. I, I who knows, dude? Who knows? But I'm going to say no. But. <laughs> yeah. If it does get celebrated, I'm going to find that letter that I wrote and say, everybody, I was on board. I was ahead of the curve. Yeah. <laughs> ice skates. Ice skates. <laughs> what, what do you, was prepared. What, this is why Superman works alone. Yeah. What yeah. do you think, Rob? What, oh, where, where do you see it in like 25 years? Are you going to be kicking yourself I, that you didn't meet Joel Schumacher when you had a chance? <laughs> I, I, I will shake Joel Schumacher's hand for Batman forever. I... I enjoy that film immensely. I'm probably one of the few. Sorry, Andy D. Genova. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I I was in, we saw it on opening night, and then, uh, you know, I walked out of the theater going, what was that? My cousin wanted to go see it the following night. So we went and saw it again. We got to Bane, Bomb, Monkey. My cousin's like, let's get out of this theater. That has been yeah. the only Batman movie I mean, I saw it once before, but it's the only time I've ever walked out of a theater. I think I sheepishly went out because he was making such a scene that I was like, okay, let's, let, let's go, let's go. So I walked out of Batman and Robin, but technically I saw it once already. I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those. I think it's, it's so divisive. We just had the conversation last episode about Batman Returns, how we kind of came around to it. The things in Batman Returns, I think think still work and it's it's still a solid movie but you can just look at batman and robin and every other scene is like oh it can't get worse than that nope they're the ice skates nope there's the weep you know fred flintstone sound <laughs> sound effect so i don't know it's gonna it's gonna take something for it to be really appreciated but i do say batman is a lot like pizza even when it's bad it's still pretty good yeah <laughs> well <laughs> if you like pizza yeah yeah <laughs> yeah Oh, there you go. Ryan, did you have any? Okay, sushi. Sushi. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, did, yeah, did sushi, you have any yeah. thoughts on this, or do you want to just get into zero hour and forget uh, I ever mentioned that? No, my main, my main comment slash in joke was I'm not a huge fan of pizza, and Justin knows this. so. <laughs> but but your comment still stands. Yeah, very good. Go ahead, so. Got to live right, just stay in line. You've heard it on at least a million times. And like me, you believed it. They said it wasn't worth but trying harder wouldn't hurt it sounds so crazy now but back then you couldn't see it and now here you are eyes open wide it's like you're seeing this in a brand new light for the first time Lord us be the first to welcome you All right, so let's jump right into uh, Zero Hour here, Robin 10. And I, I sent Rob and Ryan uh, a little, I, th I think you got it too, Justin, a little pro promo video that uh, DC Comics had made. It was about 15 minutes yeah. or so. Uh, and Rob, I think you said you're going to add in a little sound clip here and there. I will reorder the universe, and you will not stop me.
so it's kind of cool to see the different editorial staff and things like that. And Zero Hour, um, it was it's it's pitched as you know. Uh, fixing the continuity in DC Comics, but we all know that that's just a cover for trying to increase sales, trying to get new people like, hey, come on. Uh, but but I actually really like the Zero Hour and the Zero Hour events and this issue in particular. So I'll just kind of go around to everybody and where was your connection to Zero Hour? Were you reading it when it came out? Did you backpedal to it? Did, did you, what did you read for Zero Hour and what'd you think of it? So Rob, what, what was your Zero Hour connection? Um, the, the death of Superman kind of, I was right there at the beginning of that, you know, obviously was reading, you know, about Tim Drake and stuff like that going through, but I didn't become like a weekly comic book goer until like the death of Superman. I was going, picking up random Batman and detective books, the, you know, the featured Tim, obviously, but it was kind of right there. I was getting in the routine of like, oh, go to the comic book shop this week and get books and get books. So by the time you go all the way through Nightfall, I was already invested in it and seeing things for zero hour at kind of leading into at the very end of Nightfall, rather, I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, truth be told, I've never read Crisis on Infinite Earth, so I'm going to get booed every time I <laughs> mention books I haven't read. So this was kind of like <laughs> my first major event book that was DC Worldwide. Hmm. So I was kind of like, wow, I... I didn't quite grasp the concept while it was going on, but I was, and then the books being numbered and going backwards really threw me. I was like, <laughs> it's the second week. Shouldn't I be picking up issue two, but I'm picking up issue four and then all the zero tie. And so I was there, you know, hook, line and sinker through the whole thing. And I bought a, a lot of books uh, during that time. So uh, that's where I was with it. How about you, Ryan? Well, for me, I mean, of course I, I was still a kid when all this stuff came out, but I do remember, you know, going into the grocery store and they would carry a very small, select number of, of issues. But I remember seeing, like, Batman number zero. Oh, my gosh, we're going to be rich. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> but <laughs> but, uh, but then, you know, I've, I kind of figured it out. And it's like, but that's kind of what's cool about it. It, it. it is something for, you know, the layman to look at and be like, oh, they're doing something interesting with this. An issue zero? I don't think that issue zeros were too common of a thing that happened at that time yeah. correct correct yeah so it was kind of it's kind of a cool thing to just to do zero hour the issues are zero and it's just kind of a cool across the board kind of that's that's the stunt part of it and that kind of gets you into it on the you know marketing side of it which is interesting but you know i've read a few of the issues and they're all cool because they all, the Batman ones, at least, you know, there's a brand new trade that has a lot of these Batman issues in it. It's beautiful, by the, the way. The covers, as a kid, even, all, all the covers are things that you just kind of instantly get drawn to. You know, you see the Robin issue, we're about to talk to Robin 10, it's like, oh man, the old Robin and the new Robin, what's that about? Or you see the the Batman issue where it's got Batgirl in the Batcave, and you're like, oh man, but sh her back's broken, what's going on? Or uh, or she's paralyzed, what's going on? Or, and, uh, or the... My, another one of my favorites is the what the Superman Man of Steel one mm -hmm. that yeah. you're talking about, Terrence, yeah. where you've got mm -hmm. Superman and then you've got all these different versions of Batman. And as a kid, I even knew like what well, all the oh this is the one from the '60s, this is the new yeah. one, this cool. is you know the Dark Knight Returns. I knew I knew all those versions even as a kid, so I thought that was just really cool. So I read a couple of them at you know, but I've never actually taken the time to read the event series itself so i really don't know what it's about other than the fact that it did end up resetting some timeline stuff 
afterwards. But I think in the case of Tim Drake and Nightfall and all that, it didn't really change too much. But I guess the big part of it was changing uh, the particulars of Batman's origin, right, with uh, Joe Chill and that kind of stuff. Yeah, the big things that came out of it were that the Justice Society was kind of placed as the generation before Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and that they were a generation older in age. They aged them, which then led to Jeff John's Justice Society run later on, which is an amazing run. Uh, so thank you for that. I thought, yeah. I thought that, I thought that the Justice sorry, I'm trying to like get my, my story straight, but I thought after Armageddon 2001 is when the Justice Society came out of retirement. Cause they did this whole mini series where Monarch, it was called, I thought it was called um, Armageddon Inferno. Mm-hmm. And it was that a miniseries where where the, just, uh, the Justice Society came out of limbo. And I think that's when they came back into the, the there was a Mike Parabek Justice Society um, series. That only lasted 10 issues. And then I think the Jeff Johns one came after zero hour if I'm- jeff john sorry to interrupt jeff johns was much later the, no, no. you're right that brought the justice society back zero hour aged them so like when they were brought back they were like the same oh, age okay. as batman and superman this kind of right. set the timeline okay. like there's one scene where they like all age and become like decrepit man and even the, that's the, right the, you're the right, cover you're of right. uh issue three has got like our man and jay garrick with gray hair uh so so yeah uh-huh. you're right they, they had been brought back earlier this just aged them and put them like the generation before, and then the the Jeff John stuff I think comes like a decade later. That comes you know in yeah. the two thousands. You know, but as soon as you said that, that clicked. Yeah, I just because I, I remember that scene of Jay Garrick aging. You're right. Yeah, I, I just meant it was was a step, stepping stone. But anyway, go ahead, Justin. What did you think about Zero Hour? Uh, yeah, no, was oh man, Zero Hour was crazy for me because um, I remember for some reason I got a bunch of black and white preview covers. I don't know how I got them, and I remember making copies of them at my mom's work, and I used I colored them in. Oh, and cool! I remember like, I had no idea. Yeah, I, for some reason I had no idea who Connor Hawk was. They didn't have names or anything, but it, going back, mm-hmm. I know it. It was Connor Hawk, but it was like Green Arrow, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What's up? Why is Green Arrow not have a beard?" Like that was a big deal to me. That he looks like the old school version and, and all this stuff. And um, I was really, um, I didn't care too much about what was going on. It was just a DC event, so I read DC events. Um, but then afterwards, I was really upset because <laughs> I was a huge um, Guy Gardner fan, and I hated oh, yeah. what happened to Guy. <laughs> That's where he the whole Guy Gardner. Oh. Yeah. oh, dude, the alien technology and stuff. It was it was so dumb. <laughs> yeah. But I liked Connor Hawk. I liked the idea of Connor Hawk. I like how he was in the Justice uh, Justice League America later on. Um, the Batman stuff was weird. I didn't know why it was important to get rid of like Joe Chill. That idea. Um, so that was weird. Um, and then I, some of the stuff just didn't make sense that they're, I get what they're trying to do, but like the whole Supergirl, like her not being super like matrix version, like all that stuff. Like, and then Hawkman, Hawkman was the biggest issue and I'm a big Hawkman fan. And it just, I was like, finally I can read Hawkman and not feel weird. And then that got weird. Yeah. <laughs> it, still yeah. got, it still got weird until, until Jeff Johns fixed it in like, you know, 99 or whatever it was. And so the, the, I was always hoping for Hawkman to get, to get, you know, fixed and just, I, I don't even feel like the explaining in that book made any sense. And so 
I feel like zero hours started to do something and it just didn't do it. It really, I don't think it fixed anything to be honest. Yeah. It's, um, it seems like every sorry. time, <laughs> just, no, it seems like every yeah. time they do a, a stunt to fix the continuity, they just mess it up even more. Yeah. Or they fix one thing, but it makes three things out of yeah. whack. Yeah. So yeah, no, I agree. Totally. Yeah. Uh, there's cause the Batman stuff like doing, it didn't make any sense to, there was nothing to really fix with Batman, to be honest. I think all the big issues were, uh, even even how they like after Crisis, how they started Man of Steel and then the Wonder Woman in Year One, that stuff didn't bug me no much. I can push I can push them all in the same timeline. It was really Hawkman and the Legion of Superheroes that were the huge issues, and they still haven't fixed that stuff. No, no. <laughs> it's there's still issues. So, anyways, there you go. Yeah, cool. There's but I liked it. I like I like the zero issues. I like the weird stuff. Yeah, so that was fun. and that stuff's cool because it doesn't have to fit into any continuity because it's all just jumbled and crazy. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Can just be a cool story. There's uh, three issues I wanted to mention that we're not going to review, but they are kind of um, either Batman or Tim Drake ish. And that um, Detective Comics number zero has got a really cool cover of Batman and Robin, Tim Drake, Robin, but. Tim Drake's not in that issue at all. So if you ever want to check out a cool cover, that, that's cool. Uh, another one that doesn't have um, Tim Drake in it, but is a must for any Batman fan, is Superman Man of Steel 37. That's the one uh, Ryan had just mentioned. And that is uh, yeah. really fun because the cover's got all these Batman on it. And um, for some reason, though, on the cover, the, the original Batman with the purple gloves his, his, doesn't have his gloves on. I guess the, the inker on the cover didn't know. But he has it on in the issue. And uh, it, it right. starts off with, like, Neil Adams, 1960s, 1970s Batman. And he sees Superman with the mullet and the long hair. And he's like, you're not going hippie on me, are you? I always <laughs> love that scene. And there's a couple panels where you've got the Dark Knight, uh, which, Rob, I know you've never read that. But it's this very popular uh, book by <laughs> Frank Miller, uh, but the the Dark Knight uh, Batman with the original Batman and the Neil Adams Batman all together, it, it's it's a really cool um, issue. And then the other one, which we won't cover, but I just wanted to mention it is uh, Shadow of the Bat thirty one. That's a really fun Tim Drake issue where the the original yeah. Alfred Alfred Beasley comes oh, yeah. back because the Alfred is gone. He he. Yeah. he be- or Be- Beagle, Beagle, is that it? Beagle? Okay, yeah. And and so yeah. that's a really fun issue. And Tim Drake's in that a lot. Um, and um, it, it, I actually, when that came out, I didn't even know there was another Alfred. I, I thought maybe, like this was just something they made up for the book. So, um, But uh, before we move on to Robin 10, were there any other zero-hour issues or, or events that stood out for any of you guys? I'll just throw it out there. Or. Uh. The big one I liked was Aquaman. Uh, that was the birth of his hook hand. Uh, the issue, I believe, right before the Zero Hour event is where he gets his hand put yeah. in uh, the water and the piranhas eat it off. And uh, it was really kind of gruesome. I remember reading that book going, what is my, what's going on? Like, yeah. my brain was just like, just seeing the bone, the flesh. I'm like, oh, well, I don't know what they're going to do to Aquaman. But it's like pre-Jason Momoa, you know, which is kind of, I think, loosely where the Justice League Aquaman's based off of. He's got the beard, the long hair, and mm-hmm. uh, Hook Hand Aquaman kind of started right out of that. And I was reading yeah. Aquaman. I picked it up just because of the Zero Hour event. And for probably about a year, I bought Aquaman uh, solidly. That and was a good series. Of, but I loved I loved that Aquaman run. Yeah. I, I Is think that Peter David Aquaman? Yeah, Peter David. Yeah. Okay. That yep. was 
a great run. People give a lot of credit to Jeff Johns for for giving some type of like I know this is the Tim Drake podcast, but <laughs> bear with me. I'm a guest. No, uh, the the uh, the Peter David stuff was really good. Um, I mean, it went. I think it went a good seventy issues before I think Eric Larson or Dan Jurgen somebody took over that was like eh. But yeah. uh, if 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 you're curious about some Aquaman, check out the Peter David run. It's really good and his. Talking sharks are the best part of that. Book, yeah, they're so yes. Has it been collected? Has oh, that man. Peter David run been collected? Um, I don't know. I don't it's, think it has. It started as a mini series called Time and Tide, and then it went into a regular series. And I think yeah, the okay. mini series might have been collected, but not the the regular issues. But yeah, it's, it's great. Okay. It's fantastic. I think they collected the series before it. There was one that went like thirteen issues that preceded it, and then they canceled it for some reason. Did Time and Tide, and then started this other series. And anyways, the Peter David Aquaman, it's such a good book. Go check it out. Yeah. And Ryan. And you could find probably the whole entire run in the dollar bin. Very, <laughs> yeah. very cheap. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> How sad. Uh, Ryan, any zero hour thoughts before we jump into uh, Robin 10? No, it's just the ones I was talking about earlier. Just seeing, because here, that, here's the thing is like at the time when these books came out, it was not easy to just pick up old comic books and read, you know, Batman in the sixties or whatever, because those books were either super expensive or hard to find. There wasn't really an internet to go and just read old comic books or whatever, or digital comics and stuff like that. The only thing that I had as a kid was this, uh, I think it's a book by Mark Cotavaz. It's like a dark Knight, 50 years of his history between 19 tales of the dark Knight or something like that. It's like, 1939 to 1989 and that book has all this Batman history in it and it's got all these um, color pictures of a lot of the old comic book covers Mm -hmm. and so that's like the first big resource type book that I got to read as a kid where I learned about all these old comics and what the old storylines were and you know the whole history of Batman you know before you know it was like the best resource I could I found for it as a kid before there was internet stuff so these issues are cool because they kind of highlight those kind of legacy characters and styles in the present day. So I think that's what's cool. Yeah, about it. and um, the the back of uh, it's probably in a few issues, but in the back of Shadow of the Bat thirty one, they have a little DC Universe page, and they've got some like predictions of what might happen in Zero Hour, and some of them are kind of true, some of them are <laughs> twists, and some are, are are funny. And the first one, I think, I thought you'd get a kick out of this, Ryan. It says Barbara Gordon becomes Batgirl again. Meanwhile, Azrael assumes the identity of Oracle, <laughs> setting the stage for Oracle Fall, Oracle the Crusade, Oracle Quest, the Search, and Oracle's End. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny, and then mm. it, it does kind of throw a little. Oh, the first they got the first part. Yeah, part of that, right? it says the Ray becomes a member of the New Titans. Dick Grayson becomes Robin again. Warrior finally decides on a costume, but so it it was kind of instead of being Robin, he becomes Batman. But <laughs> I thought that was cool. It'd be really weird if it said like Duke Thomas finally gets a superhero name. He'd be like, well, "What yeah. is that?" And then they like oh. we wait like <laughs> yeah. twenty years. Yeah, <laughs> the ultimate. <laughs> East- yeah, who's Duke Thomas? <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so Robin Ten. Let me start off. Take my advice for a change. Don't get involved in this. And ask you, Rob, because this is always the thing. This cover, could this cover be a poster in, hanging in your house? Yes, this this could be a poster. And uh, and ironically, I don't know if you've seen like those wooden poster frames, not frames, but it's like 
it looks like a comic cover you can get on, like on Walmart, like one of those yeah. wooden painted things. I have the Zero Hour uh, Batman with Tim Drake on it um, as a cover, and I was like, oh man, this would be so cool to have the Robin cover. So yes, if this was a poster, I would hang this uh, on my wall, having <laughs> Tim Drake and Dick Grayson. Although my only complaint with this is I know they're giving Dick Grayson his original hairstyle, but when I bought this, I thought, oh, Dick's teaming up with Jason Todd because they had given Jason the little... You know, double like cowlick because traditionally Dick they changed his oh, yeah. his yeah. thing to like the the kind of like comb over, if you will. So at first I thought this was going to be a story with uh, Jason Todd, and when I realized it was Dick, I was like, cool, even better. Justin, what did you think of the cover? Um, yeah, it, it definitely uh, it's kind of iconic, you know. And what I like about it is it it's kind of in that same vein of the first issue. I, I feel like it's it's like complementary to that. You know, I know Robin's jumping at you at the at the first one, but I don't know. It, it, it it's a no brainer, and it, it felt like it was probably an easy assignment. And but but Tom Grummet, he just nailed all of these books. Every book that he worked on back then, like he did, I think he was doing yeah. Superboy at the same time. And um, he, I think I liked his inker on this better. Like I think he was working with a different inker on Superboy, but. Um, Regardless, yeah, uh, I think a lot of the comments we we actually we've been reading some of the um, letters columns mm-hmm. in, for these books and these some of these shows, and that's one of the things that people instantly started talking about when they talked about Grummet's artwork in the Robin series. They're like, "Oh, his artwork's so much better because he has a different inker." He just really nailed like I think he did good with uh, like the younger heroes because they didn't look like mm-hmm. many people, you know. They, yeah. they, they, you know, he did a good job. But um, as, just as far as the cover, I, I, I think it was a great cover. It's good stuff, and it, it made you like, oh, what the heck's going on with you know, well, every zero hour issue. But it was really <laughs> yeah. like Robin and Robin hanging out. This is gonna be a good one. Ryan, what'd you think of the cover? Yeah, it's like the same, the same thing you were talking about, Justin. Because we've mentioned this on, on some of the other shows, like. Jim Aparo is one of my f- absolute favorite Batman artists, but yeah. uh, his younger characters don't really look young. Like his John Paul and his Tim Drake look like, you know, 40 year olds sometimes, and yeah. they just yeah. don't really look like children or, you know, kids or teenagers. Um, so, but yeah, Tom Gromit's artwork kind of really sells this and you instantly know that they're two different robins from two different eras yeah if you even have a passing familiarity of the character you would notice like this the costume of oh that's the robin from that's the old one from the the 60s show like at least if you didn't even if you didn't even know him from the comics you would know that distinction when the series started the first couple issues were inked by scott hannah and then it switched to the Krising, Ray Krising. And I could tell in the, the artwork got better. Looking real quick, Superboy was inked by um, Doug Hazelwood. So somehow so, yeah, I knew cool that this cover. was Dick Grayson, unlike um, Rob, who, who thought it might have been Jason Todd. And I was really excited for this when it came out because it was the first Dick Grayson as Robin story I was really ever going to read um, in that came out in like real time i had a a trade paperback um batman the greatest stories ever told but the robin didn't really feel like a um dick grayson it just felt like generic robin in those stories uh this cover if if you get um the awesome batman and robin by um grant morrison 
The Ratman and Robin issue number 10 actually kind of uh, pays homage to this cover where they have, you know, Dick, uh, Dick Grayson as Batman kind of kneel down and then <laughs> Damien's behind him like on this, but he's got, I think, a sword or an axe getting ready to kill him. So, uh, but it's pretty cool how they, they did a, for Batman and Robin number 10, the throwback to Robin number 10. All right, if we um, get into the issue, it starts off – actually, one thing I wanted to say too, uh, you guys had mentioned the costume and everything and the art. What I think is really cool in this issue is how good Tom Grummet makes Dick Grayson's costume look. Like you, you might have – Next to the the brand new Tim Drake uh, costume and everything, you might think it might look silly or ridiculous, but it actually looks really cool. I, it's like why they? Yeah, because he manages to make it look iconic instead of he doesn't cross that goofy mm-hmm. threshold. So Very much. much like George Perez yeah. and the Teen Titans with it, kind of. Yeah. Um, so, so it starts off with we got like a jewel thief, a jewel heist, and. Um, the t- it's entitled Two Birds, One Stone, and we we kind of see um, Tim Drake kind of starting to break up the, the jewel heist here, and as he's fighting, he hears heads up, and in comes Dick uh, Grayson Robin, and they, they kind of meet here. And unlike most superhero team-ups where they have to have the heroes fight, <laughs> these two get along right away, and we don't have that you know obligatory let's fight for five pages before he realized we're friends so yeah. uh ryan what'd you what'd you think of the intro to this book and how they introduced uh dick grayson in it well the, the first thing is if you guys didn't know that the title two birds one stone that the birds are ah. the two robins okay <laughs> and the, the one stone is is the uh the diamond Hi-oh. so so there you go it's like super clever so uh yeah, I mean I think it's a cool intro and I and I do kind of like the fact that Robin just Dick Grayson Robin just kind of shows up and he's like, "Hey, I know who you are and yeah, I'm let's be Robin." And the the thing that I instantly picked up on is that Chuck Dixon does a great job of writing a Dick mm-hmm. Grayson Robin. You know, you cuz yeah. he he does a really good job of d- differentiating both Tim Drake and Dick Grayson, but they both feel like Robin. And they, but they feel very individual. And like, as you read through the issue, you kind of start to see which strengths match which Robin, which is a really cool distinction. Yeah. First off, I thought it was cool that uh, they got to do a crossover with Snake Eyes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, no, it was cool. Um, same, th- you know, same thing. Ryan's kind of echoing. It, it, it was cool to you get Justin, that brash Dick Grayson Robin, you know, jumping in there, the confident guy, and from like the get-go like a, a hint of tim's like uneasiness with my predecessor you know the guy that 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 started this job and you know dick Grayson just owning it and like hey man go home like he's just assuming, yeah. assuming <laughs> somebody else like hey man me and me and batman will take care of this you know and the here's what was cool is like he is still from a more innocent time it's true like like yeah. in the Batman in Robin time, like in the comic timeline, like Dick Grayson's probably like what ten years older than than Tim Drake, you know, at least at this time, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm assuming. So if if he's Nightwing, he's probably like 26, and Tim Drake's like 16 or something like that. So yeah, um, it's funny that um, mm-hmm. he's just kind of he's still kind of golly G Robin. Like that's the vibe I got on him. But yeah, he's and he's younger than that. Tim at this yeah, yeah. stage so yeah it's just kind of like this little kid barking orders around and so whereas damien is full of himself i'm a jerk this guy's just like he's just a good kid you know, and he and what he it, says it, gets backed fun. up too he's like he's good at what he does too you know 
Yeah. yeah. But I thought it was really funny, like, you know, that <laughs> Tim goes through the trouble of taking, you know, Dick, Dick Grayson's fingerprints to to prove that he's Dick Grayson and he's like well, you can't be your Dick Grayson and he's like how could you know that and I'm like Dick Grayson Robin he you just took your fingerprints you know I mean it's obvious that he knows like, who you are I was like come on Robin don't give some stranger who's trying to be you your fingerprints he willingly gives him his fingerprints and then he's confused about how Tim Drake would know who he is I'm like come on dude <laughs> fingerprints that's not like doesn't exist in your time does it so Rob, seeing the two Robins, I imagine when you read it, I, I just think of that same scene in uh, Batman Forever when the when Jim Carrey Riddler's blowing up the Batcave and just yells "Joygasm!" Was that you at seeing the two Robins <laughs> together? This is the book I've been waiting for my whole life. Two Robins. <laughs> I had to buy multiple copies because I just cried every time I read through. This is beautiful. Um, <laughs> now I just wanted to echo what you guys were talking about the scanner uh, about in Chuck writing two very distinctive Robins in this. You have the naivete in Dick Grayson where, oh, you may take off my glove and put my hand on this thing. And But like you said, he's able, later on, he's able to back up what he's doing. Just like we were saying, like the ensuringness about Tim, it's just, I think it's just brilliantly done between the two where it, it doesn't seem like they're both a carbon copies of of one another. One is clearly Dick Grayson, one is clearly Tim Drake, and they both have distinctive uh, acts in the way, even the way they're drawn and the way they move, you can clearly tell that there are two separate individuals. So I, I thought this was just really cool. As we go through the story, uh, my first thought of it was this is kind of a dumb story. It's kind of not really that good. But then when I kind of like dug a little deeper and realized what Chuck Dixon was doing, like if you read stories from the 60s and like when we read the uh, Shotgun Smith story uh, and, and stuff, like this is how these stories went. Like if you read Batman comics from the 60s, this is how they feel. They have that weird twist and spoilers, <laughs> weird twist ending that seems stupid. Like things like the Robin putting his fingerprints on the, the, the scanner and stuff happen. So I think Chuck Dixon does like a brilliant job of recreating those kind of fun, silly, goofy, um, not the most realistic stories from the 60s. And one of the things I really like about this issue as we go on, 99% of comic book writers who are writing, you know, the new character, the new Robin, the new Wolverine, the new whatever, would have tried to show how much better the new guy is. Like, look, the new guy can do this, and the new guy has got that, and the new guy's got... Where Chuck Dixon does the opposite and has Tim Drake going like, man, I can't keep up with the old guy. Like, look at his moves, he, you know, and, and it makes you really like Tim Drake. Like, you're not like, oh, this this jerk. You're It really gets you on the side of Tim Drake, and I just think a lot of other guys would have done the exact opposite. So I think that's really cool. And then here on um, pages six and seven, we see the red bird um, making an appearance. And I thought it had gotten wrecked at one point. Rob, was that wrecked it or is it just rebuilt or is as zero hour re- <laughs> brought it back together? <laughs> <laughs> I think all it was, was it was just driven off the road in issue two. So I don't think there was any damage to the car. Cause we, it was even seen, in a uh, nightfall where Tim is chasing after, um, in the night's, uh, quest, night's quest. Yeah. Occlusion. Yeah. Yeah. So he wasn't wrecked or anything. I think the, that Batmobile just outran the Redbird. Hmm. It does get wrecked at some point though. I love uh, how yeah, Dick just yeah. thinks that like, it's part of Tim's cosplay. Cause he's like, you'd really, the cool car, you really take this serious. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I'd be mad that Batman didn't get me the car. 
I like that Dick makes the comment about sorry about uh, the long yeah. pants. Nice touch on the long pants, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. You think you think that going in this timeline, it splinters off, and Dick Grayson's like, "Hey, can I get some pants?" And then <laughs> forever, yeah. he's got pants in the car. Chicks did the car. Oh. <laughs> uh, Dick has got to teach Tim how to like do his laundry karate style or whatever that was in the um, the uh, so let's see where are we on the story so they're they're chasing the the one stone here the the jewel thief Weasel Grimes um, and they hear on the police scanners that um, he's heading down some highway somewhere the viaduct the north south viaduct so they they follow him in the red bird. And he gets away. And then on page nine, uh, we have a, like a really cool like interior scene of the red bird. And um, what I really like about this scene is Tim almost mentions Jason Todd. And then he like pulls back. And it just has that yeah. like cloud of Jason Todd's mm-hmm. death overhanging it. And that was such a, a cool thing in the, the 90s comics that, you know, there, there had been this Robin who had died and. Um, I, I really hate that they kind of brought him back because of that. Here on page nine, I'll, I'll throw mm-hmm. it to you, Justin. What do you think of, of their interaction and and the whole Jason Todd thing and why he doesn't tell him straight out about Jason? Yeah, you know, one of the things is kind of going throughout the entire comic, but especially in this scene, is just a curiosity from both of them. Like they both have these questions, like, "Well, what's going on with him?" And he's he wants to ask him what what happened to me and where's Batman and and I I love all that. And then the questions that you know. Dick, I mean, sorry, Tim has for Dick, and but uh, yeah, I thought it was a good scene. I actually really like that the bottom left panel of of Dick Grayson because it looks like Grummet's trying to evoke like Dick Giordano or, or a classic look for his face too. It doesn't look so like modern in the artwork if you look at that. Just yeah. in that face, I don't, I don't know if that was intentional because you know it's just two dudes with. You know, two white guys with black hair and masks. You know, and they could, and they def, they definitely look like different different guys. Um, but yeah, I, lo- I love that scene. And yeah, the the moment with with Jason, you kind of get that. Oh man, that's that's going to be a hard one because Dick could be going, "Did I die?" But he never asked that question. Yeah. He's just he's just assuming. Oh, did I retire? Exactly. To replace me, which is part <laughs> of that whole like, innocent, innocent part of him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, no, it was a good scene. Yeah. Cool, Rob. What'd you think? I just you know, what Justin said. That the thing that I that I really liked about the scene, and more importantly, just being a Robin fan, is maybe I'm the only one, but it kind of takes your breath away as a Robin fan hearing Dick Grayson ask. It's kind of like that thing when somebody asks about you know what what year did Grandpa pass away, and there's that kind of that that hush that kind of goes through as people start remembering the events of whatever you know that sad situation is. So you know putting it in this context where Tim's like, do I say something? Do I not? Am I? Do I need to shield him from this? And so I, I thought that was just a real touching moment. That in the, you know, high speed chase of let's go get the bad guy. There's this somber moment between the two. In in that panel that Justin was talking about, that curiosity of like you can tell just in the drawing, like Dick really wants to know what's going on. And in the corresponding panel, Tim is very stern, just like no, forget it. I'm not going to talk about it. like you don't need to know that. So I thought that was really. The kind of a cool moment. And what'd you think, Ryan? When you, well, like you said, Rob, when you go and look at it from the angle of Tim holding things back from Dick Grayson and, and things like that, it's almost like this whole scene is like Batman driving in the Batmobile with Robin, but instead you have Tim Drake driving in the Redbird with Dick Grayson. So you still have this kind of 
Batman and Robin dynamic because, you know, the way the story is set up, Tim has, you know, more experience, total experience as Robin than this version of Dick Grayson has. And so he's mm-hmm. he's been through a lot of, you know, heavier things in his crime fighting career compared to Dick Grayson probably at this stage. And so he's got to hold things back and be a little bit more serious and stern. And I think that's an interesting thing. And the other cool thing is that although Tim holds back from telling Dick about what happened to Jason, Dick doesn't forget about it. It comes back up later in the in the issue, and I think that's kind of a yeah. cool payoff, actually. Yeah, and so then they yeah. they travel to um, well, they follow the weasel to he, the Gotham Aquarium, which uh, that should have been the title. Follow the weasel. <laughs> this should be interesting. Pop goes the weasel. You know, third base. Pop goes the weasel. Yeah, third base exactly. Dixon was lying to us, man. He, he is a third base hardcore. He, yeah. You know what he said? I'd never heard of that. And like, they should have been on the dashboard. You know, like he, that's what they're listening to in the record. Can you, can you just put a little snippet of that song in there? Right there. <laughs> I already wrote a note while we were talking. Third base. Yeah, it's, it's, go, it's going in. Matter of fact, it'll go in right here. Let's all sing Pop Goes the Weasel. Needs a refill. I got a squad with a list of complainers. I should have started rape. Rappers against phony entertainers. So we can make it known that we won't get swayed. It's 91, son. So something's gotta change. Getting paid, pedal sneakers, and soda. Pop, 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 pop. pop goes the weasel in drawers. Drop, 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 drop. Why not take your top 10 pop head? Fix the music and make sense. This rhyme's fit. I guess it's the fact that you can't be autistic. Intricate raps becoming so simplistic. I got a strong mind. It doesn't have to be spoon fed. And I can read or doesn't have to be read. So some stay illiterate and feeble, legally licked to go the ways of the weasel. The weasel. Pop pop goes the weasel, the weasel. Pop pop goes the weasel, the weasel. Pop pop goes the weasel, the weasel. Pop goes the weasel, goes the weasel, goes pop. There you go. Third base, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, as we, we see in the in the next few panels, um, Tim Drake has never seen the movie Blackfish because um, uh, he's going to make a comment here about killer whales never killing anybody, which is not true anymore. But um, for the next couple pages, is it one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven pages here? It's basically actually eight pages they're just basically chasing the weasel through the aquarium until they finally get to the weasel who's hanging dangerously above the piranha tank uh so rob what'd you think of the this uh chase scene going after the weasel through the aquarium i thought it was really cool how this was all laid out and coming from tim's perspective where just following the series so far what an improvement you know uh, Tim Drake is as a Robin from his predecessor Jason that Dick still manages to school Tim on how to be a Robin and it's not done in a kind of a Damien way like let me show you what to do Grayson kind of a thing Dick is just doing the things that he would normally do with the flips off the railing and reaching stuff and even Tim going you know there's no way I could do that that type of move and it just shows the fluidity, fluidity, if I could say that word right, in Dick Grayson. And it almost kind of shows you that Tim still has a lot of work to do. But those type of things that Dick is doing are not Tim's strengths as a Robin. Mm-hmm. So 
it kind of flips at the end of the story that maybe the strengths that Tim has aren't really the strengths strengths that Dick has as a Robin at this time. So uh, reading it, you kind of go, man, I, I really liked Tim as a character, but Chuck's not painting Tim in the best light in the story until it comes around to the end. So it's kind of yeah. that thing like where you're weak, I'm strong, or where I'm strong, you know, you're weak. Mm-hmm. It's the, the two helping each other out and Tim coming to grips with that um, through the story. I thought was it was done very well. Yeah, I think that that um, the character of Tim Drake, like we've all seen him prove his like use and his abilities as a detective and yeah. as Batman's partner. Mm-hmm. But there's something about this issue that validates it all because mm-hmm. all he needed, I mean, he doesn't need Batman to validate him. Hmm. He needs Dick Grayson his peer mm. to validate him almost. Yeah. But that shows how upset he gets when he kind of yeah. get that. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, but, but, but until the end, then it kind of meant like, man, I, I am going to be good at this. And that was a cool scene. That whole, like, I didn't mean to like skip all over the place, but it was, it was cool to get that final part that, um, you know what? You are good at this, you know, just because you can't do some backflips, you know, the triple, <laughs> what was the triple daredevil <laughs> death defying backflip, whatever the heck that is. Which and that's what that's how he found it out. He should have said it was <laughs> yeah. because you did these flips. That's how I figured you out. And that's what gave you away. <laughs> so hold on, hold on. So Justin is saying that it, you know, being good at like being that at like a detective and stuff over just a bunch of training can, can make you a good Robin. Well, yeah, but you you got to have other skills and stuff. But like for him, I think Tim's. Tim's like value is he's a great detective. He's like the one that could be the successor to Batman. Whereas Dick Grayson, he can't succeed Batman because he needs to do his own thing. Like he doesn't want to be under the, he doesn't want to be under the shadow where all all Tim wants is to be in the shadow. My my example was just a very, very sly John Blake reference, but don't you see it doesn't matter. Go ahead. Oh God. I I, kind of picked up on it, but I wasn't going to go there. (laughs) It was. (laughs) There you go. Uh, so uh, Ryan, yeah, <laughs> orphan vision, <laughs> orphan vision, and throw a smoke bombs. Robin. Right when I saw you, I knew who you really were. I'd seen that look on your face before. It's the same one I taught myself. It'd be like it'd be interesting if people were just like, you know, I can't see the second Robin, you know, but they can only see each other because they have orphan vision or something. Well, I was I was gonna say, man, I really it would have been cool. It probably would have been too hard if it could have been awesome to be a three person team up. Cause yeah, to see, and to see you know Jason Todd act a little more brash, <laughs> yeah. and then for and for Tim to kind of like, man, like don't do this because you're gonna end up dead. That would have been a really cool. Yeah, he could like, like Leroy Jenkins or something and just <laughs> rush in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and then maybe then maybe that's how he survives. Later on, you know, he didn't <gasps> die, but oh, done, really? done, done. Uh, instead of the instead of Superboy punching the wall. Anyways, yes, so what stupid. If? Not even the future will escape my grasp. I love. Sorry, I'm sorry. I love the mullet, <laughs> the mullet, the mullet Superman ad in in for the the Batman Adventures team up. Oh, sorry. I know. You know what's cool about that? To go totally off the rails. What's cool about that is that is before you know the the mm-hmm. Superman animated series. So yeah, it makes me exactly. think, like, you know, if Superman ever really did appear in Batman the Animated Series, that's probably what he would, would look like. He would be like yeah, this it. weird animated version yeah. with, with the mullet, you know? DC was like, you got to use the mullet. That is, yeah. 
<laughs> that was dude. That was in their character sheets. Well, they, they took the character uh, design for Dick Grayson using the Tim Drake costume and updated it. So I would yeah. agree with you, Justin, that if that's how Superman looked at that time, that's just what yeah. they would have. I think they would have yeah. used it. It reminds me of the. Did you guys ever get the uh, Batman Superman magazine? Yes, I got era. it somewhere. Man, I, knew, I need to go dig up my old issues. I think it only because ran for a few issues, but I remember I, it being really cool. <laughs> I think, if I can find it, I'll post a picture somewhere. They do an animated series version of the mullet hair Superman because the animated series was going on, obviously, at that time. I think it's one of the only times you see like the Bruce Tim version of Superman with the mullet on it. I'll have, to, I'll have to dig that out. This issue 25, I remember that because when they announced they were going to do a Superman cartoon, I wondered, is it going to be, look just like this? And they decided to go back to the, like, the Kurt Swan. But this Superman 25 was a good issue. It, it, Batman tries to kill Superman in it and mm-hmm. almost does, but I then he right. says his mom's name at the end and stops. You're letting him kill Martha. <laughs> What does that mean? Why did you say that name? Find him! Save Martha! But it was good though. No, I just now that'd be a terrible idea for a story. Yeah, they'd never do that. All right. So uh, Ryan, what'd you think of the aquarium chase scene, especially page seventeen, where where he Man. he's like his face is in shadow and Jason and all that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, you just got me on this whole BBS idea, and it's like a what if they did like a zero hour issue where it's like these animated ones are just like don't do this, but 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 uh, but yeah, no, like it's cool to see them get into the aquarium and start going on kind of this mission together this you know trying to track this guy down because that's when you finally start to get this kind of oh there's a little bit of discourse between these two robins you know tim's like oh, well, he's just so good at everything <laughs> you know what i mean and that's kind of a really cool yeah. dynamic that starts to come out i think it's kind of interesting i like how he's all we can't call each other sorry he's all we can't just call each other robin what's, your, what's name? your name you know and it started making me think of you know the the old denny o'neill issues of batman where he's like in the like the laughing fish or whatever uh was it laughing fish or five-way revenge i get those mixed up because the animated series i think it's five-way revenge right where batman okay. gets tripped trapped in the with a shark and all that stuff mm-hmm. all this kind I'm of, glad you of that into that. i want to say something go ahead, no go ahead um i wish i had that issue here uh, it would be so cool if the this is the same aquarium it's the gotham aquarium i know it'd be really easy to do but that'd be really cool to find out this is the same aquarium that Batman was in with that shark. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I think that is cool. It's a cool idea. 
So then, you know, it's a cool scene on, on page 17, how like Tim's face is all in shadow. Just see his eyes green and he, he thinks of Jason and, and that's how he's like realizes he's got to take it slow. So they kind of, they slow it down and they realize the weasel is above the uh, yeah. piranha tank. And he, uh, and you know, the, the cool thing is like when I'm reading it, I was like, well, how did he miss them shooting him? And, you know, how did he miss shooting them and stuff like that? But it's really not about the chase per se it's it's about the two robins interacting and the differences and uh then the weasel falls into the piranha tank and almost instantly uh next to the hawkman uh <laughs> ad which is pretty cool justin i figured you'd like that one yeah they see like his skeleton the 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 piranhas just stripped him down in in a matter of of seconds and that's it seems like it's all over although it's only page 20 not 22 um so i'll throw it to you rob did you think that was the end of the weasel when you saw read this or did you think there was (laughs) a little something more i actually kind of probably bought into it at the time thinking okay the, the bad guy the bad guy's dead they didn't get him but like you said even through the whole chase scene it wasn't more about you know them being shot at as a more was them working out so i thought okay they're gonna put a nice little button on it and they're both maybe this is how they were going to tie into death you know of of the second robin or whatever so i um i kind of bit into it and thought yeah he's he's probably dead but that's that's not the important thing in the story yeah. <laughs> dick's surprisingly cool with it oh he's closed yep <laughs> he's dead we're, we're done old chum we should let's, we should uh, get out of funnel here. all the villains into the aquarium <laughs> and then yeah yeah, I think they're kind of, they're kind of an accessory at that point, like if yeah. they cause the guy to fall in there. I don't know. It's just I felt like no, there had it's the guy there's something going up with it because Tim, the whole story hadn't been paid off yet really, you know, like cuz Tim started to think about you know, something is not right and everything like that. So I'm like, oh, "Okay, this is going to be some Tim's detective strengths shine through." And of course, that's exactly what happens. Why does Tim have a yellow glove? Is that a lighting thing or It's a bad coloring, I believe. There's a few things in the issue like that. Dick has pants getting into the Batmobile and they're green. Yeah. Oh, really? Missed that. Shoot, what page was that on? I totally missed it. Uh, unless it's the coloring in my trade, but it's page seven and Tim's jumping in and Dick's running alongside oh, and yeah. he's got green pants. Huh. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. You're totally right. So then, like I said, this is so much like a 1960s comic. Like, it's all over, but wait, it isn't. And we get a little uh, Bullock and uh, uh, Montoya here. And uh, I think, does Dick say something about Bullock? Like, Bullock's still on the force or something like that? Yeah. And then uh, they realize those piranhas actually were not man-eating piranhas, which... I don't know what the weasel's plan was because you would think the next morning when the aquarium, you know, like scientists got there and would be like, oh, those piranhas don't eat people. But anyway, it's it's uh, it's it's just kind of for fun. And we see that they actually the two birds catch the one stone here. Um, so before it fades out to, to white, what do you think of the, the twist ending, uh, Ryan? I think it's a cool twist ending just because. Like I said, I'm like, well, something is up with this, and just to get to have them solve the mystery and get the guy is kind of cool. And the best part of it is just to see Dick Grayson, you know, recognize, oh yeah, you've got merit as as Robin. And more coloring mistakes. Tim Drake's uh, gloves are yellow on page 22. (laughs) Those look like the gloves my mom used to use to wash dishes with. You know what? It's it's all these coloring mistakes are just um. 
little indicator. Zero hours. Zero hours. Zero about hours. To, exactly. It's about to happen. Your mission of vengeance doesn't concern me. I have a higher mission. I love that Dick Grayson's like, so tell me he was wearing piranha repellent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's such a thing. Rob, uh, anything you wanted to add to these catching the bad guy here? I think it's a, a nice little, uh, it's almost a Scooby-Doo uh, yeah. thing. I would have got away with it, mm-hmm. too, if it wasn't for the water on the floor and the stupid Harvey Bullock eating the jelly donut, you know, type of thing. Um, I just thought mm-hmm. it was a, a nice way to button it up. And the uh, the pat on the back, like Justin was saying, that Tim had kind of been longing for. It's one thing for even Alfred to say you're doing a good job, but when your predecessor pats you on the back and says, oh, I, I can see how you got the job, Robin, uh, is kind yeah. of what Tim was, was looking for all along. Yeah, yep. it's, um, it's it's quite an elaborate plan by the weasel to have, like, <laughs> the the body <laughs> hidden in the aquarium and get him all there. And, uh, you know, there's, there's easier ways to fake your death. But anyway, then we get the fade yeah. out to white and then we get the zero hour. So before we uh, move on to the next issue in the saga of Tim Drake, uh, R- Rob, what were your final thoughts on issue number 10? Well, I think with having a guest on the show, we probably ought to rate it like, you know, is this a gotta go? Is it a let's go? Um, is it trash juice? Yeah, you know, when I was listening to the th- podcast today, I thought the same thing. I was like, I, I got to make sure I get the right system. Yeah. I'm blushing. I'm blushing. In case you're unfamiliar how we write things on the Drake, if you're kind of like, man, don't. Don't don't go. Don't go to this one. This is it. Don't go. Um, or if you think, yeah, you know, let, let's go. Let's go to the comic shop. Go back to 1990 something and, and go pick it up. If you're like, man, let's let's go. Let's let's do this. Or man, you gotta go. You gotta go. Get in the DeLorean. Go back in time. So I think this is this is a uh, you gotta go. You gotta go pick this up. Uh, I think it's just a uh, Chuck Dixon masterfully just crafts the two Robins. Like we've been saying this whole issue puts them together and gives that voice for Dick Grayson to where I kind of felt like I was reading a, a 60s, you know, early 70s Dick Grayson Robin throughout the whole issue. So this was a great issue. So I uh, got to go. go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin, what'd you, what, any final thoughts on issue 10? <laughs> yeah, I'm so <laughs> flattered, man. That was, <laughs> that was so nice. Um, yeah, man, it's such, it's such a, it is such a great issue, and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a got to go. And it was, you know, this was my first like Dick Grayson as Robin comic I ever read because he was always Nightwing by the time I was reading comics. And so, I mean, I've read older ones like my uncle gave me tons of Teen Titans, but like publishing like during my lifetime, that was the first time I read a Dick Grayson as Robin. So, yeah, it's cool. It's one. Of, that's why I was really excited. I was like, I gotta do this show because this was one of the ones that stood out to me. It was. It's just such a fun idea to be able to team up. You know, one of those things that doesn't always happen, and you get the excuse because of this really crazy event. So, I just want to see a, a flashback episode one day where Robin is talking about. Man, I remember the day Batman made me study all the fish. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's how he knows, like what fish yeah. he like, like. I'm glad he pulled these are like tests. These like, are like tests of like different tubes full of different fish, and be like, this one eats right, plants. Robin. These eat meat. Yeah, yeah. Dang it, <laughs> dude! Ten more flips, Robin. Anyways, yeah, fun issue. And then uh, Ryan, want to f- finish it up for us? How many let's goes would you give issue number ten? Yeah, uh, I it's it's for it's a gotta go for sure because it's. The the reason it's so good is because 
you rarely get an issue like this where you can have two different Robins interacting with each other in this in this way, and the characterization is done so well that it's absolutely worth your time. As as a Robin fan, it's it's a must read. We listen to you like you could influence time and space. Ha! You can talk all you want, but you're still part of my universe. Surprise! Four, three, two, one, zero! I announce the creation of a new era. One day, you will understand. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also over at our host, TVU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.